knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Ashley Glasek. And last week I told everybody to go to our new website and if anyone actually tried, it wouldn't be there. So <laughs> this whole website thing, Ashley, this is very, very new to me. I don't really know what I'm doing, but thankfully a couple of people have offered their assistance, but it just takes longer with everything than yeah. I thought. Well, I'm glad you have sons that are being so helpful and helping you get it set up. Yeah. Well, I'm not exactly the, you know, the most technical person in the world. So when we start podcasting, I was scared to death because I was, I do the editing and stuff and I didn't know what in the heck I was doing. And at that time we had, my friend's son was living with us um, cause he didn't have any, his mom had moved and he didn't have any place to live. So he lived with us for like six months. And, and so I was asking all of them, my boys and him, does anyone know how to use audacity, which is what I use to edit. And he said, Oh yeah, I know how to use it. And so he kind of gave me lessons, which was awesome. But now this whole web, th there's just so so many different aspects that are just very new to me. You know, we have somebody that hosts our um, podcasting and thankfully all of that got done. And then we do have a website. It's just not connected to our domain name. And you can find a link to our website where, with all the podcasts on any of our social media. And hopefully soon it will be connected to our theologygals.com. Do you know how to do any of that stuff? Me? No. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm so clueless. I had to make a website for a project last year for work and it took me so long just to figure out how to do it. I I wish I was more tech savvy, but I'm not. Yeah. I I feel like I am I'm definitely slowly learning. And so I, there's a lot of things that you and I have plans to do. And mm -hmm. I had to kind of, I was so overwhelmed with everything. I had to remind myself, it's not a race to get it done. We have the podcast out there. That was, you know, the first step and we'll get the website out. We'll get our new logo out. We'll get merchandise out. It just might not all happen right away. But yeah. those are the things that, that we are planning on doing. So one thing that, so Ashley and I today decided 
that it would be good to kind of go back and talk about what we've been talking about the last few weeks a little bit. And there's been some discussions in the Theology Gals Facebook group specifically about kind of biblical manhood and womanhood. What does it mean? And and we've those have been topics that have been within our last few weeks. And I think they've been topics I've been seeing all over social media too. Yeah. And even even after recording um our even after recording our patriarchy episodes, I had a lot of great discussions with people with my pastor and I feel like I'm I'm learning a lot there's there's just so much more to it than what meets the eye I'm realizing um, there's a lot of scripture to sift through and really understand the context um, and what it's actually saying it's it's a lot <laughs> yeah yeah and one thing that you and I have talked about and I The more I've thought about it, the more I believe that this to be true. When we talked about the patriarchy stuff, when we talked about purity culture, both of us said, okay, we didn't grow up in those circles. But then we'd say, oh, but that, that thing from within patriarchy or that thing from within purity culture was something that we were exposed to. Mm. So we weren't exposed to the movements, but some of those ideas made made their way out into maybe broader evangelicalism. Right. And what's even weirder is there's things within those movements that are good. And right. there's there's a lot of bad things going on. And so it's hard to talk about and critique those movements without people thinking you're outright rejecting, you know, purity or, uh, you know, biblical gender roles or, or things like that. It's, it's a hard balance to strike. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that I've seen, and I've really thought about it a lot the last several weeks is I think that we're at a time where there's a shift. When I got married, the go-to book for women was, um, Martha Peace's book, The Excellent Wife, and the the ideas within that book, not everything in that book is bad at all, um, but there are some things that maybe would go further than what I would say this is absolutely biblical. But I think, so when I was a new married person, you know, the mid-90s and a lot of my friends, that's what we were steeped in this, um, some of those ideas. And I think some of those more extreme ideas were in response to women maybe not valuing submission to their husbands. And so there's this overcorrection where then it goes too far the other way. And I think we're back to now we're living in some ways in response to that, some patriarchal ideas. And I, I'm not saying that Martha Peace is patriarchal, but some of the patriarchy ideas, some of the more extreme submission ideas. And so the temptation is to react in response to that, where I think instead, Ashley and I said, let's step back. Let's look at what scripture says. Let's not make our views based in reaction to something else that's not good. Right. And we talked about on our Genesis 316 episode, how they they came up with an interpretation of that verse kind of in reaction to feminism in the 60s and 70s. And it just seems like whenever you kind of form theology or scripture around, you know, some you're you're reacting in some way to something, 
there ends up being error. Yes. You know, you, you go too far in one direction or another. So we, we see this in a lot of different areas in, in Christian yeah. And I think the other thing that happens, and we see this a lot, is we start talking about um, wives submitting to their husbands, and you get a lot about, but what about, but what about? And so someone comes up with, but what about the wife that's being abused? But what about the, the husband that's micromanaging his wife? You know, they come up with these extreme examples, and those, those examples are out there. They are mm -hmm. absolutely out there. I don't think that they're the majority of people, but I do think that those, I would say in our circles, I don't think that they are the majority of people. I don't know what it looks like in circles that endorse patriarchy. And, and so I think it's easy to say, well, since some people who believe this, it leads to abuse or it leads to micromanaging their wives or it leads to these things, they, they want to throw it out. I mean, this right. is really throwing the baby out with the bathwater is what it is. Yeah. Since, yeah, since something could go wrong, it could lead to abuse, it could lead to um, all sorts of things, we're going to throw submission out the window because of all these what about, what about, what about. Um, and we've talked about how we really shouldn't be looking at fringe, you know, fringe examples and forming our understanding around those fringe examples. Um, I mentioned to you, I mean, this is completely different, but when you engage with people on the abortion issue, that's what they do. They go, well, what about the woman who was blank? And it's never just about the normal case of abortion, you know, 95% of the time. It's always about that fringe issue, that fringe circumstance. Uh, and so we don't want to do that. We want to discuss generally this is what it is. And of course, there are going to be those instances of abuse or things like that. And I think a lot of that should be handled pastorally. Yes. Like we're not equipped to, to deal with every what about um, in everyone's marriage. Uh, pastors and elders are hopefully for the most part able to yeah. do that. If you, if you, I'm just going to say from the outset, and we'll probably repeat it later on, but if you are a wife who is being abused or your husband is micromanaging you and controlling you and thinks that's what submission looks like, go to your pastor. And if you're not in a good church, contact us. We will help you find a good church near you because there we're, we're just a podcast. We're just a couple girls talking and we can talk about these things in a basic way. But when it comes to things like that, this is where the local church is so important. Completely agree. Yeah. So I wanted to, before we kind of get to some of the verses, I, I think it's important. Um, and I'm going to steal something from Rachel Miller, who we had on from on our patriarchy episode, because I think she did such a great job in writing this out. And we wanted to affirm what we believe. We've spent the last few weeks talking about the things we don't believe. And so we want to talk now about what we do believe. And of course, we believe we believe in scripture and the authority of scripture. But I'm going to read a, read a list that Rachel Miller has. She has a podcast, I mean, a blog, and I will link it in our episode notes. It's called No, I'm Not a Feminist or an Egalitarian. And I, I could have, you know, I, 
I could have written this. It's kind of how, how I feel. Cause I feel like if you're not too far in one way, someone calls you like a feminist or egalitarian. And if you're too far another way, egalitarian will call you patriarchy, you know, yeah. or people like to, to throw out those terms. But so I'm going to read this list. God made man, male and female in the image of God in Christ, male and female are equal before God. Husbands are called to be sacrificial servant leadership of their wives, loving them as Christ loves the church. Wives are called to voluntarily submit submission to their husbands, submitting to them as a church submits to Christ. Ordination is restricted to qualified men in the church. Marriage is between one man and one woman, ideally for life. Men and women need each other and depend on each other. I, I really like that list because yeah. it summarizes it very well. That's that's essentially what we believe. We and I want to emphasize that we don't think submission is a dirty word. We think it's actually a beautiful thing. I know in our culture it's if you say I submit to my husband, I mean you'd literally get laughed out <laughs> out of a room. Um in in most circles I think, but we we actually celebrate and we think I mean, obviously it's biblical. It's right there in the text. It's kind of hard to to work your way around that. But we think submission is a beautiful thing. And we think strong male leadership is a good thing. Um, and, and that's also something that's not really celebrated in our society is having strong male leaders. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um. I, I think we should talk. Let me, I was thinking maybe we can read what Ephesians 5 says, because one thing that I have heard from many women, and I didn't have it in front of me. Okay, hold on. One thing that I have heard from many women is they feel like, and something that um, was asked on our purity culture episode, but they feel like there's more emphasis on wives submitting than there is on on Christ and husbands loving their Christ as uh, loving their wives as Christ loves the church. So if I can get to Ephesians five, I was trying to look. At, okay, let me try this one. Oh, it only gave. Okay, hold on. So I'm just going to read a little, um, pat a little portion of Ephesians five. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. And it goes on from there. But it's those are kind of the things that were in the what Rachel said. I mean, they, submission does not stand on its own. Here, Paul is talking about marriage. You know, he's he's not saying this is just he's talking about this is what a husband is called to. This is what a, a wife is called to. Right. So we're called to submit to our husbands and they're called to love us and lead us sacrificially. Um, and that doesn't, we aren't called to submit to sin. So if our husbands are wanting us to do something or leading us in a direction that is sinful, we're not called to submit to that. Right. Exactly. And that would even mean if your husband says, um, I don't want our family going to church anymore. Right. You you still need to go to church. And I mean, if that's if that you are somebody um, like that, you should definitely talk to a pastor. 
Um, but anything that is contrary to God's law, so God's law supersedes whatever your husband says. Right. Um, and another thing is it's not, it's also not like a tit for tat kind of game where you're like, you know, my husband, he did okay, you know, leading me sacrificially today. So I'm going to submit. But tomorrow, you know, he might not and I may not. Like, this is what you're called to. This should be your general posture of submission towards your husband, regardless of him having a good day or a bad day or a bad week. <laughs> right. I mean, of course, of course, I'm not talking about really bad. I'm talking about just the general human bad. You know, we all have those days. And I would be so sad if my husband was like, you know, I'm not really going to lead sacrificially today because you're not really doing your part, you know. <laughs> right. That so would be so hard, you know. So there is – our husbands are supposed to lead us sacrificially. Um, and yet we're not just like sitting waiting for them to do that so that we could do our part. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. And I, I've actually seen that sort of thing. Well, my husband's not doing what he's supposed to. So I, I'm just going to kind of do whatever I want. And I like how you said it's a posture of submission because submission isn't just, um, if my husband asks me to do something and I'm going to submit to it, if I, if I do it begrudgingly, I'm not really submitting right. to him. I'm not really honoring him in, in doing that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what submission is not, because I think that there's some misunderstandings and submission does not mean you can never disagree with your husband. Right. You know, you yes. are allowed to disagree with your husband. In fact, if there's a decision that, that your family's trying to make, um, I gave I gave the, an example, and I think it was a complimentarian episode of when my husband and I were shopping for a motorhome, and he had his heart set on this one model, and I thought it was a very bad idea. I did not think that was a, I didn't think it was big enough for our family, and I told him what I thought, and I did sin because I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't very respectful of him, but I was convicted of it, and and I just said, you know what? I even told him, I said, I, I trust you to make the right decision. And I prayed and he went and looked at the one. He'd never been inside the one that he thought he wanted. And he called me, said, you were right. It's not big enough for our family. Um, but if I were to, if I would have just said, fine, you, you make the decision. That's actually not being submissive because my attitude is not respecting respecting his decisions. But when you, when you're just, you can respectfully disagree with your husband. Yeah. You know, we, you don't get married and now you can't think anymore. Right. Yeah. It can be, it can be a discussion um, where, yeah. I mean, it, in fact, marriage would be quite, quite boring if you agreed, <laughs> agreed on everything. Right. Um, what I love about those discussions is, you know, one person says, this is what we should do. And then the other says, oh, no, I don't think so. You discuss it long enough. Usually, at least in my marriage, usually by the end of the discussion, we're both like, oh, okay, so this is what we're going to do. Like, you know, regardless of who initially said that point, um, through discussion, you're able to like figure out what what's the best way to move forward with whatever it is. Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen. I mean, sometimes you might talk things through and still be like, 
yeah, I, I just don't agree. I just don't think this is the best decision. And I think that's when it gets hard, you know, to submit in the in those times um, when you're like, oh man, I'm I'm just not quite sure you're making the right decision here. And yet, you know, you're the leader of our home. And right. So and it wouldn't be submissive if you do turn out to be right and your husband makes the wrong decision. You do not go and say, I told you so, or something like that. That's right. not, that's actually not honoring him. Um, is it, that's, that's not something that you should do. I mean, there's something I, I would like to sell my house like tomorrow and buy a new house, but my husband thinks that we should not do that yet. And I'm tempted to have a bad attitude about it, honestly, but I know that is, would not me that would not be the right thing for for me to do i think the other thing is people here submit and they think of you know i've used the word micromanaging oh then that husband's just going to tell her and she just has to do all of those things and that's not really what it looks like in most christian marriages yeah i'd like to use the example of like service didn't we we talked about acts of service um earlier where when it comes to like more chore-like things in the home. And uh, Colleen, I think when we were talking, you used the example of, you know, your husband asking you to iron his clothes. Right. Right. And yep. so we asked the question, we were having this discussion, it, is that a submission thing where my husband says, hey, would you iron my clothes for me? Um can a wife say no? Or, you know, we, we kind of bounced all those things back and forth. And it doesn't, submission doesn't mean that if your husband says, hey, do this, you're just like, okay, I'm going to do it right now. I mean, I'm thinking of you, you, like the baby's crying. I'm sick. I'm tired. There are valid reasons sometimes when you can't do what your husband is asking you to do. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that um, one of the concerns that some women had on this idea that you must obey every tiny little thing that your husband says was in regards to intimacy. Mm. And I think a loving husband, hopefully your, your husband is loving you as Christ loved the church. And if your husband asks you to do something and you say, you know what, honey, I am not feeling good right now. And I, I've had this situation since I have health issues with my husband says, Hey, can you iron my suit? And I say, you know what, honey, I'm not, um, feeling very well right now. I'll try to do it later. And he'll say, Oh no, 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 you lay down. I will do it. And so I think that when it works out well, that is how it it works out. And, and submission is not just acts of service. Our, our husbands lead us spiritually. They lead our family worship and they make decisions of where we'll, where we go to church and how we'll raise our children and stuff with our input though. You know, right. my husband always, always wanted my input. My husband didn't tell me anything to do when I was parenting a newborn because he trusted me, you know, he didn't mm -hmm. say you're doing it that way. And I, I want you to do it this way over here. Right. As my husband and I get closer to having this baby, that's, you know, we discuss certain things and he'll be like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can make that decision because I just don't know anything well enough to. That's what, that's, that's exactly my husband. But I did have a situation and with somebody I'm very, very close to. 
And when you have a newborn, there's a lot of different things that they will do in the hospital, okay? So whether it's like the gel in their eyes, um, I think they give them like a shot when they come out to vitamin K. And um, they, they may or may not do some vaccines. Anyways, there's all kinds of different things that um, that you do when you're in hospital. And she was going to the hospital the next day. And, and she had told me, we're not going to do this one thing, one of the things that they do at the hospital. And um, so I had brought it up and her husband said, and she actually hadn't spoken with her husband about it. She just, I guess, had assumed. But her husband said, Oh no, we are doing that. And she said, Oh, okay. And I was like, wow, she didn't even, um, it wasn't something that was a huge deal. I'm not saying that always has to be that way. I think that you should tell your husband, if you think differently, you should respectfully tell him why, you know, I think that she could have said, well, this is why I don't want to in that situation. You can, you can do that. And I know we've had girls in our group that, you know, they didn't know what to do because they disagree with their husbands on some bigger things. And I know that's, that's difficult. You know, they disagree on circumcision or vaccines or, you know, that sort of thing. And my husband and I were on the same page with all of those things. Yeah. I did see someone ask somewhere, you know, is it a submission issue? If you, you, you research something about child rearing and you're convinced that, if I were to, I really don't want to use an example. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you're going to do this thing, you feel like it's not safe for your baby, but your husband strongly feels that it is. Uh, do you submit to your husband? You know, and and, and, and that's, that's in one of those in one of those big issues like circumcision or vaccines or something that you know people fall on either side, and there's health concerns on either side, and and so. Um, that's a hard one. <laughs> I, I wish I had an answer to that. Uh, yeah. Because, because you both think you're doing the best thing for your baby. Right. Everyone's goal is the health of this baby, but you just don't agree on what that looks like. Um, and, and I'm, I'm the same, my husband and I are the same way where we, we pretty much, we haven't disagreed really on anything when it comes to that. So that's fortunate, I guess. Um, but I don't know, what would you recommend if someone, if someone's in that situation where, I'm just going to use use this word. Someone really thinks they shouldn't vaccinate their kids and their husband really thinks they should. What do they, yeah. you know, what, you know, one of those things. What do they do? You know what? And I, I know we say this a lot, but if you're in that situation, if it's just causing issues in your marriage and you can't agree, then go talk to your pastor. I know that sounds silly. I'm like one of those people who really does call my pastor for every <laughs> little thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I have this issue, but I... I don't, I think one of the problems is that no two of those situations are going to be identical. And so that's why I think your pastor knows you. And I'm not saying that your pastor is going to tell you what to do, but hopefully your pastor can help you and your husband work through that until you come to a resolution that you both agree on. I, I would say, I would say that because that that's a difficult situation. I will tell you in regards to the baptism of our children. Mm. I came to believe in infant baptism approximately 3 years before my husband. And mm. my husband I don't know anyone who studied infant baptism like he has. Uh, he studied it for seven years. He he read every book he could find on both sides. He has he actually has um, 
where he made copies of out of somebody made a copy out of an out of print book for him that's in a three ring binder on baptism. He talked to Baptists and Presbyterian and Reformed pastors, and he just re- and he had a difficult time because he came out of Lutheranism, has a different paedo baptism than Presbyterian and Reformed. But what what happened? So he I became convinced of paedo baptism. We were actually in a Presbyterian church and I just prayed and and waited on him. I don't know that our pastor would have even baptized the kids if my husband said no. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how that works. In in some uh, Presbyterian churches they allow you to be members if but but anyways, I actually thought it was um that that was me submitting to my husband's decision on that. Right. And he ultimately changed yeah. his mind, right? Years later. Yep. He came home. We had joined um, this OPC and this is seven, almost 17 years ago. And so he's, the pastor wanted to meet with him every week and here he'd been studying it for years. And he comes home one day from meeting with the pastor and he says, our kids are being baptized Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Um, and so my oldest three were one, three, and five and got baptized on the same day. And then Austin was baptized as a newborn. We got to do an episode on that. Maybe as you get closer to having a baby since you get to celebrate. It's it's wonderful. Uh, So that, I think this is why I'm uncomfortable giving, I'm uncomfortable saying this is exactly what you should do in that situation. But one thing I I did want to bring up, and I think I pinpointed one of the problems when we were talking about The Excellent Wife and some of these other books, is they kind of give a formula and say, here's a list of things that you must do. And I realized one of the problems with that is every marriage looks different. Yeah. And so you get this list of things and I was, I feel like I have a very good marriage. I feel like, um, you know, I submit to my husband and he loves me and we sin sometimes in that obviously, but I was looking at that list and thought that some of those things would not work in my marriage. I don't even think my husband would want some of those things. Also, even, you know, your husband's leadership looks different than my husband's and someone else's husband. So it's not just on our part that the submission looks different. It's also their leadership looks different. Um, You know, a very wise woman told me before I got married, don't ever compare your husband to somebody else's husband. Like, don't do that. Like, that's really can be detrimental to your marriage. I took that to heart. And so I, that's something I don't ever try not to ever do because the way my husband leads me is going to look different than, you know, my neighbor, my friend, um, et cetera. Right. So it, it, it can't be a formula. Right. You know, there's these guiding principles that we get from scripture um, on leadership and submission, but an exact formula is just not going to work. And because the formula would have to work for all women at all times in history, yeah, And there's no way that that formula worked for women 200 years ago or two p- women 200 years from now or, um, but the guiding principles don't change the, you know, having the posture of submission towards your husband, that doesn't change, but what right. that looks like, um, will change. And I think that's the problem when you start saying this is biblical. So for instance, one thing on the list in that book was ask your husband 
what his goals are for the week. Okay. My husband is somebody who's obsessed with goals and he always has like on his a list going, <laughs> he's got, he actually has goals and he actually has a fitness family fellowship. I forget what the, all the F's are <laughs> for his goals, but your husband and I, and I could say, Hey, what's your goals for the week? And it wouldn't be you know, be fine if I do it, but maybe Ashley's husband isn't like that. You know, <laughs> my husband would be like, I'm going to go to work. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> he, he definitely, I'm curious what your husband's Myers-Briggs <laughs> personality type is. It's probably different than mine. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I don't even know um, for sure what book to recommend women for this is how to be a good wife. And I think partly because a lot of the books are that. Okay, so let me give an example. A lot of the books will say, you know, things like, um, don't bother your husband with the problems of the day when he walks in the door because he's just gotten home from work and he needs time to relax before you bring to him all the problems of the day. For instance, you know, if you start thinking that that's a biblical principle, and you fail because all of a sudden one day your husband walks in and you've had the worst day ever and you just can't wait to see him so he can help you. I think it would be, I think it's where you might say, hey, that's a good idea, but we need to be careful saying these are biblical principles. Right. And and that, that idea might work 90% of the time. But like you said, you know, you have the worst day of the year <laughs> and your husband comes through the door, you're going to want to tell him about it and ask for his help um, yeah. and whatever it is. So. And I, rem I remember when Scott Keith was on the podcast about his book, Being Dad, Father as a Picture of God's Grace. And he said um, that one way he could love his wife as Christ loved the church and be an example of Christ to his children, if he walks in the door and his wife is completely frazzled to grab the kids and say, honey, you know, go take a bath, go out, do whatever you want to do right now. And that's, I love that because that actually shows the other side of it. A husband who is loving his wife, who looks and says, wow, she's had a bad day. Let me take over for her so she can have a little break. Yeah. That's loving sacrificially, loving yeah. your wife sacrificially. Because I'm sure the husband walking in the door really just wants to walk in the door and put his feet up. He's been at work all day. Yeah. Um, but so if, if your husband walks in and does that, you should not feel like, Oh, I failed because I didn't give him his 10 minutes to relax or, you know, whatever the rules in some of these books are. And I think there's a lot of reaction to those, those sorts of things. When we were talking about the reactions, I think that's the sort of things that a lot of women are reacting to. Yeah is is taking like good advice and making that this is biblical that's that's the issue right right because I, I think that, so that's decent advice but it's it's not necessarily like biblical it's just good advice right and i don't know that the books say it's biblical but if it's saying this is how you can be a good wife by doing these things um i as I was reading some of that book, and I read it years ago, I I felt very um, burdened. Like, wow, I'm like, I really felt like I had a good marriage, but look at all the things I'm not doing. And right. and in our marriage, you know, over the years, we've found what 
what works for us. You grow and you change and, and you learn. Right. And that could even be like, if you know, you just to use an example, if that's something you are doing where every time your husband comes in the door, you immediately unload on the day's problems. Your husband could say, you know, when you do that, like it's, I just really need a few minutes to just unwind before we, you know, have that conversation. Like, you know, it could be that that that's what your husband does need in, in the marriage. So. And I, I would say that is, I mean, don't, there's, there's kind of a little, there's kind of a little bit give and take sometimes where there's times where, you know, my husband wants to go out with his friend, you know, they, they like to go over to a brewery for an hour that's here in town. And, and there's times where I say, you know what, that's fine, honey, I'll stay home with the kids and you have fun. And there's times where, you know, he might do something sacrificial for me. Yes. Yeah. Or there's times when you might say, you know, tonight's probably not a good night to do that. Right. So it's not, yeah, it's just, it's not formulaic, I think is what we're getting at. It's not, you know, it's not a list of rules that we're trying to check off every day to make sure that we're being submissive wives. Right. And I think the other thing, this was brought up in the excellent in the excellent wife thread on Twitter, you can all go look up Emily Supermommy on Twitter, and she has a she did a post about the excellent wife. Okay, so one of the, one of the things Ashley, I think we should talk about is a lot of the we've talked a lot about Center for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and some of the the excellent wife and some of these things. And I think it's important to say that not every we're not saying that everything that they put out was bad. No, not at all. And <clears throat> you know, I do appreciate that, you know, in a society that definitely laughs at the idea of submission and leadership in marriage, they're an organization that is trying to stand firm on what they think is biblical submission, what it, what it should look like. Right. Um, and so I think their overall goals and intentions are good. And, and I, like you said, a lot of the stuff they've produced is good. Um, but there's just, you know, some things that we go, uh, I don't know about that. Um, especially when it comes to the Trinity and things like that. Right. Um, so, and, and like I said at the beginning, we should be able to critique an organization or something like that without it seeming like we're completely rejecting what that organization is about, which is about biblical gender roles. So I I just don't want it to seem like we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Here. We believe we believe strongly in that list that I said in the beginning. We do believe in submission, but I think it's important for us to talk about what submission looks like because we don't want to make an overcorrecting error that we in response to some of the things that we didn't like that we go too far the other way. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I, I guess my advice, I mean, you have a lot more answers than I do, uh, Colleen, but my advice is just read everything with a discerning eye. I 
mean, just because something says it comes in a complementary package, you know, this book is about complementarianism, doesn't mean that everything in it is necessarily biblical. Um, could be, uh, but we just have to be very discerning in what we're reading. Um, yeah. From any organization. Um, yeah. Not just them. So. Right. Any book you're reading or anything, we want you to be always discerning. You know, that I think the problem with Center for Biblical Men and Women is they had some foundational problems where some of it was built on that wrong view of Genesis 3.16. And we sometimes see where in the sphere of the society of society that men are seen where there's a sense they would not say that you that a woman needs to submit to all men like she submits to her husband. But there is an, a, a sense where men have in general have an authority over women. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do not agree with. <clears throat> yeah. And I'd like to talk about that. Um, Cause so I, I agree that, you know, when it comes to, you know, marriage and the church, there are very clearly defined roles for men and women there's very clear restrictions in the church on what women can do. Um, when it comes to society, it's not so clear. Um, and one thing we talked about this week is we were kind of saying in the patriarchy episode that uh, we don't think the Bible says women can't be leaders in society. Women can't be CEOs or bosses or anything like that. We don't, I don't see that in scripture. Um, and I think you agree with me. We don't, we don't see that. Right. And yeah. yet that's not to deny that there aren't, there are differences between men and women that lend to women, you know, more men being in law enforcement and more men being in the military. And then in the field I'm in education, I mean, I don't even think I've ever met a male kindergarten teacher, even though I know they're out there, um, or nurses. or <clears throat> So there are these differences between men and women um, that just lend to how society kind of, um, I'm going to sound like Jordan Peterson here, you know, people kind of sort themselves out. And if, if given, like I read an article recently, um, I'm, you know, I'm in the STEM field. I'm a math teacher. So I, I, it's something I'm interested in. In societies where women are given freedom to um, go into STEM or not, more women choose not to. But in societies where there's less freedom over what they can do, um, women are more likely to choose to go into STEM because they know STEM will allow them to be like financially um, uh, independent. Um, and so I, I just, we just see that as a general rule in society that people sort themselves out because of differences between men and women. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Right. You know, I'm glad that, you know, most, most of the really heavy lifting, you know, on the front line jobs are being done by men in society. And I'm, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to uh, be on the front lines, you know, in war. I don't, I don't want to do those things that, you know, men are, you know, stronger and, and things like that. 
Um, so I, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that because I didn't want it to seem like we were denying the differences between the genders when we said we think women can be bosses, et cetera, leaders in society. Does yeah. that make sense, Colleen? Yeah, and I think maybe at least what, what I believe is that while I do think some of, I mean, basically what we're saying is we do see differences between men and women in society. And for instance, I I rarely see a female construction worker. Right. Um, there's a reason why at the Olympics, the men and women are, com- you know, the men compete together and the women compete together because um, there's, you know, men are stronger and, and various different things. And so we do see in society where, where there are differences between men and women, but there is not anything biblically that says a woman can't be a police officer or a man can't be a kindergarten teacher, right. even though the majority, you know, may be one sex or the other. Yeah. And, and someone, I've actually heard people make you know, draw out principles where they, they actually think women shouldn't be police officers because men should do that. But I, I don't necessarily think that's like a biblical principle. That's just like a general, you know, I don't, general observation of just how men and women are. Um, I, I don't see the case for that in scripture. Um, I, you know, I just think that's, that's something men men are more prepared to do is be a police officer or a fireman or something like that. I think that there, that there are good women police officers out there. And I don't know enough, like statistically, I actually have a friend who's an FBI agent. And so you do, you do. Yeah. A female. Yeah. Yeah. You do see, see people in those and there there's, you know, things, and there may even be things in those positions that they can do better. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about how you do see things just in society. I had told Ashley about a story. We're at a store, a little kid gets um, lost and, you know, I'm sitting there and the person looks to me to comfort the crying kid, not to my husband who's standing right next to me because they're, because it's a mom, you know, she's very nurturing is the assumption, stuff like that. So there right. are basic things just that we even see, you know, out in society where men and women are looked at very differently. Yeah. And when I when I discussed this with a friend, the example we used was, um, you know, can a woman be a mayor of a town, you know? And it's like, sure, like she could. <clears throat> now, if a woman has like four kids under seven, that she's caring for is being a mayor like the most <laughs> uh is the is that probably the best thing for her like in her family and being able to care for those children like probably not like that's she's probably not going to choose that role you know at that point in her life that doesn't mean like as a general rule women can't um it's just like you know you have a bunch of small children you need to care for just just as an example uh, that's, that's one thing I talked about with one of my friends. Yeah. And, but I just saw actually a female that's running for state Senate. And so, you know, I think regardless of what it is, a husband and wife have, if, 
you know, if your wife that's working out in the worst workforce, that you and your husband have to find you, you have to decide what is going to be the best thing for your family. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in that we don't believe that a woman only can stay home, you know, right. with her, with her children. Yeah. It looks different for each family. And we don't believe that if a woman is out working that she's like defying God's order for, you know, family and society. Right. Um, I mean, absolutely. Both, both of my bosses are female and have children. And um, so, you know. And, well, teacher is such a great job if you yeah. have children because my mom, my mom was a teacher. I mean, it's, it's a great job because I, my mom was off school when we were off school. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to school at her school. So we went with her in the morning. We came home with her in the afternoon. Right. And so teacher, I, I think, is such a, a great job for moms. Let me ask you this, Ashley. How, how can we, in response to some more extreme views, not go too far the other way? I think uh, by coming back to scripture. Um, and I think... Yeah. And talking to your pastor, you know, I I really think that's been the most helpful thing for me when I hear about something or I'm like, that doesn't sound quite right. Or, you know, just reaching out Sunday after the sermon. Hey, I heard this this week. You know, what do you think about that? And or an elder. Um, I, I think that keeps you a little grounded. I think we're prone to tribalism as people. We want to be in certain camps. You know, I'm either in the reformed camp or I'm in the complementarian camp or, you know, and so we tend to reject or accept things that come from our camp, you know, or not. From Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just because it has the reformed label on it, the complementarian label on it. And I think we need to be careful of, of doing that. Um, that's a, that's a really, really good point. Cause I, I actually had something, I won't say what it is, but I had something um, that after I became reformed, I thought, well, every other reformed person believes that. So I guess that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it turned, I actually didn't know, not every reformed person actually believes that there is an in-house dis- debate between some on it. But, and then I realized, you know what? I, I don't, I can't say I believe that until I've studied it. And I'm convinced that that's what's actually true. Yeah. And um, especially those of us that are in confessional churches, I think that's really helpful. Like the confessions don't speak to everything um, because there were there were issues, issues then that are different than the issues now. Like I don't think our confessions say anything explicitly about homosexuality, but they're pretty clear on marriage and what marriage is. And so you can go to the confessions and see you know, that's a really good summary of what scripture teaches on whatever issue it is. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that's, that's really the answer is going back to scripture Mm -hmm. to see what scripture has to say. Well, we're going to, I mean, there's so much we can say on this. So in no way have we been thorough, (laughs) but, um, one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, what what things that women can do 
in in various areas, like can men listen to our podcast? Um, can a woman teach at seminary? Some of those different questions that people have been discussing. So yeah. let me first say we believe that God has called men um, to be leaders in the church. And um, so I think that's that's very important that it's a man who's the pastor and preaching on Sunday. Yep. Very, we, very firmly believe that. Yeah. Um, we don't believe women should be preaching in worship. Okay. So what about us doing, let me play devil's advocate, Colleen. What about us doing a podcast here? We're two women. We're talking about theology. Couldn't a man be learning from our podcast? If he's listening, we know we have male listeners. Well, I think this is very important. And if you didn't listen to our episode with Amy Bird, go back and listen to it because we talked a little bit about that. So the verse that I do not um, permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man is, is the one that I think is pointed at. And I think what has happened is a, a confusion of sorts. Um, and in talking to men, the issue seems to be whether they can learn from a woman. And so what, what happens is we believe that only a man should be, you know, preaching up our pastor and elders, exercising authority. But I think some people see having a Christian podcast like it's between the the fan or the, between society and the church because we're talking about biblical things and so some people think it is wrong for a man to listen to our podcast because he should not be learning from us right and okay <laughs> you're, um, you're like you're like getting ready here you're yeah. like okay <laughs> okay first of all our podcast i would say Okay, you either have interviews of our podcast or we talk about a subject. And what we talk about when we talk about different things, like let's just say even this conversation, it's no different than a conversation around my dining room table, you know, where we have people over for lunch. And let's say that the text was Ephesians 5 that day, and we start discussing submission and what Ephesians 5 means and stuff like that. And I, I actually think it's no different than us writing on Facebook. We're in some different Facebook groups and men and women are both there. But I have run into a couple men who won't men who will not interact or listen to a woman even on Facebook. So as far as that, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man. We believe that that is in the context of the church. Mm -hmm. And so we here on this podcast have zero authority over our listeners. And I mean, when you think about when a, when a pastor preaches on Sunday, he's preaching to his members who have taken vows in membership to that church, like they're bound to his leadership. Um, when our, okay, bound probably isn't the best word. I could come up with a better word for that. But when people listen to our podcast, they can be, they can listen to an episode and go, eh, no, 
they totally missed that one. They got that wrong. Or or they can like it and go, oh, yeah, I agree with them or this and that. But in no way are what we say is what we're saying authoritative over anybody's lives. Yeah, I I agree with you, Ashley. Um, we're, we're not an authority. We hold no authority at all. We're really just having discussions and interviews. And the thing is, every man out there, if you think about it, you've probably learned something from a woman. You know, maybe even your wife, you start having a conversation, you know, about something and you say something or your wife says something and you just learn something from her. And so I think in order to make that view consistent, it would really change the way we function overall. Yeah. Um, another example that people give is speaking at conferences. Um, and so I guess I'm a little confused when people say a pastor preached a sermon at a conference, like on a Friday or a Saturday, because I'm like, wait, that's not like, would you agree that that's not like preaching? I mean, right. But they see it. Some people see it as it. They're expositing some text of scripture, but preaching is, is a very specific thing that happens within the church. Um, you know, on Sunday mornings, um, or, or whenever your, your church meets. Um, I mean, it's a means of grace. It, th- there's a lot that goes into what preaching is. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's within the local church. It's to your congregation to, like I mentioned earlier, to your members who've taken, you know, an, what, what do we call it? Do we take it? Oath membership oaths. I think so. Commitments or something. Um, And so that's preaching, you know. So uh, someone said, well, someone asked, oh, do you think women can preach at a conference? Well, I mean, a a woman could teach something at a conference, teach something biblical. But I don't even think the men that are speaking at the conference are preaching necessarily. They, They have no authority over... If I, if I'm sitting there listening to a man speak at a conference, um, it it might be a great place to learn something about scripture, but there's it's not authoritative in any way over over me in my life, and I, I think that's the distinction. Is if 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 you if you see any time a man gets up to speak as authoritative, I on, I honestly think that diminishes the role of a pastor in the local church, because that means when you listen to, you know, sometimes people listen to podcasts of their favorite pastor throughout the week that you see that as authoritative and you see, um, you know, blogs that you're reading by your favorite pastor as authoritative, um, conferences. I mean, it, to follow that to its conclusion, there's a lot of things that would be authoritative over your life. Would you agree, Colleen? Well, I think the problem that um, a few people had is that they've been to conferences and what they heard at the conference was no different than something that they might hear at um, on a Sunday morning in their church. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm not even sure how to respond to that. The only, I, I was trying to think um, I did see one woman at a conference, but she wasn't, 
she wasn't like um, doing anything close to what would be in a Sunday morning. And some in some examples that I thought of is like Johnny Erickson Tata um, speaking at the Ligonier conference. She did a talk on suffering. I I think that that's fine in in that light. In things like that are fine. Or Elizabeth Elliot would speak to mixed audiences to tell her story. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I just haven't been to enough conferences to even, because they're saying, because what was asked of us was, so are you saying, are you saying it's only not a sermon because it's not on Sunday morning? And I guess when I've been to conferences, it hasn't been like my Sunday morning and maybe some conferences are, which someone said, as far as the content that's being said. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? So they're saying, oh, so you're only saying it's not a sermon. Well, that's partly why we're saying it's not a sermon, because it's not part of the worship service. Um, but also, I think usually, at least the conference I've been to, have not been like sermons. So like several years ago, I went to a conference on the solas of the Reformation. And so there were messages on, you know, sola fide, sola gratia, et cetera. And so, and I think a lot of uh, conferences are more like that. They do a talk on a subject. Mm-hmm. And you may be, it may feel like a sermon, I guess, but um, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I just, when I, when I think about, and, and I'd actually love some feedback on this. So, so if some listeners want to write in, but I, when I think about, you know, pa- pastors writing sermons, they're writing sermons for their local congregation. Like we have only like 30 to 40 people in our church. And so when my pastor writes a sermon, he's writing it with us in mind. I mean, obviously he's right to exposit the text faithfully, but when you're, a, when you're, you know, pastoring like a congregation you're 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 infusing some of the fact that it's this group of people into your sermon um knowing that you know your congregation is called to you know hear that and 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 submit to that and so um when someone's giving a talk at a conference I guess I'm just not I'm not seeing it in that same context as as a sermon because it's just a talk about a passage of scripture um maybe more like a Sunday school type thing I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I yeah. I'm not even sure I can speak fully to that like yeah. what is appropriate for a woman at um a conference but to say that I do think that there are times that it's appropriate for a woman to speak to a mixed, a mixed group. And, um, the, oh, the other one we wanted to, the, the big discussion over the last month is whether women can teach at seminaries. And so one thing I, I did hear is that some, somebody said that some seminaries, it's all ordained pastors. Okay, if if the seminary is all ordained pastors, then the answer is obviously not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I went through and I found all of the Reformed and Reformed Baptist seminaries. And there was some that had women teachers. Most of them were teaching something having to do with counseling. Mm-hmm. Most of them. But at one very popular, respected seminary, uh, the they had a woman teaching Old Testament something. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I see that as separate from the church. I, I don't have a problem. I think there, I think, I'm not sure women should be teaching, you know, how to preach, but I think that there are appropriate things that she could teach. Right. What do you think? Yeah. If it's a, if it's a class that's geared towards strictly pastoral training, there's only men in the class and it's preaching or, um, I, I don't even, I don't even know what they learn in seminary, to be honest. Um, then I don't see a reason why a woman would teach that because a woman doesn't have pastoral experience, um, to lean on. But if it's just an academic class, um, and there happens to be a woman who's the most knowledgeable on whatever area that is, I don't, I don't see why it would be a problem. I mean, I really don't have a dog in this fight. I don't, I don't think women should be like actively seeking this out and we should be fighting for more women in seminaries. It's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, um, I, I don't see a problem with a woman teaching, you know, Greek or something at a seminary because that's not, that's not anything authoritative. It is just an academic class. Um, and she might be the most knowledgeable person in the area on, on Greek. So. Right. Well, I think something to mention is that uh, there are people that go to seminary that aren't even planning on becoming pastors. There right. are things that you can study there. That's why even some women will go and take some some classes or, you know, go to seminary. But they're not they're um, they're not planning on being pastors. They major in something different. I, I really can't remember yeah. all the possibilities. So I think that's part that's part of it. Seminary classes are not necessarily just uh just you know how to preach or you know some of those those different things i've heard some i've heard some pastors say that a lot of pastoral training takes place in the local church where um you know i know in the opc they'll they'll take someone under care uh i think that's what they call it under under care have you heard that yes Mm -hmm. where they're like okay we're training you up to be a pastor um and the pastors and elders at that local church are doing a lot of the counseling and mentoring for this young, you know, pastor. Um, and I think some of that takes place in seminary too, if I'm not mistaken. There's, you know, men who are mentors and things like that. And so that, I mean, if you're actually mentoring someone to become a pastor, then yeah, I think you should probably be a pastor yourself, which would mean you'd have to be a man. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that's that's a good a good point. Well, I think that this is something that we may have to I, I, I envision right now that we get more questions. Yes. On this. And one thing I want to say is we are actually still studying and trying to figure some of these things out ourselves. 
because I think these are some of the things that are not as black and white. Right. Yeah, well, we've, we've been we've been having so many conversations with so many people. Um, it's been really actually great. Um, I mean, down to like very like one word in scripture. What does that one word mean? And trying to break that down. And um, it's been really, really edifying, actually, to, to do this. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, it's been it's very, been very eye opening for me. And one thing going back really quick to the submission thing is that I think Ashley and I realize is that, you know, we do not have experience in some of the things that some of the struggles that some of the women may have, like if their husband is being controlling and, you know, if, if they're controlling or they're forcing you to do things that you feel uncomfortable with and, and some of these different things, go talk to your pastor. Yeah. Cause we, it would be difficult and I think almost wrong for us to tell you what to do if you're in that right. situation. Yeah, we are by no means experts. And all the all the whatabouts that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, I I just don't even have answers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely ask your pastor. I, I don't know what you would do in that situation. Um, you know. And every one of those situations is different. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's why it's so important it needs to be your local church. Yeah. So I mean the the biblical principle is there. Submit to your husband. Husbands lead your wives. Um but there's a lot of nuance. <laughs> there's a lot of I mean just a lot of implications for what that means. Right. I think we understand some of them, you more than me because you're, you know, been married a lot longer, but um, definitely not all of the implications still, still learning quite a bit. So, yeah, definitely. And I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of, if you guys write us some questions, we can try to, or disagreements, mm -hmm. we can, we can try to answer those. Well, since we went kind of late today, I think we'll just, um, end it here again. You can find a link to our new site on any of our social media. We will eventually, as soon as I'm able to have our domain name up, and I will put that on social media also. But we have some exciting things coming up, and we appreciate all the support and, and all of the listeners and the encouragement that we've gotten. So we will see you next week. <laughs>